All right, well, welcome to the Afterwards Podcast, where every week we spend some time and talk to our teaching pastors about their message from the previous week and sort of unpack the, the passage of scripture that we covered and maybe explore some things that didn't quite make it into the message. And this week I'm really excited because I am joined by three very special guests, and I'm going to let them all introduce themselves in just a second here so that you will hear their voices and you'll know who they are. But I have to start with my friend who was on the podcast last week, and I feel like I slighted him because I said he wasn't (laughs) as special of a guest, and he clearly is because, and I was sort of called out maybe by my wife, maybe not, I don't know, but because he is our actual venue pastor, so I'm going to start with Tony. Yeah. Uh, I feel special this week, Jason. So <laughs> no, my name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors at Riverview and, uh, I serve and lead at the West side venue. That's great. And hopefully you only feel special, not awkward or singled out at this point. I feel all of the above. Okay, good. <laughs> all right. And so Justin, hi, I am Justin Detmers and I serve and lead at our Rio town venue and, uh, happy to be here. Great. Hezekiah. Yeah, I'm Hezekiah. Um, I'm a pastoral resident, and I kind of bounce between Holt and Rio, but mainly at Rio. So, and this week you taught Hezekiah at taught at Holt, yeah. and Justin was at Rio Town, and and uh, Tony was at Westside. So, if you haven't had a chance to listen to all of their messages, I'll make sure that there's a link in the description so you can go and do that. And I actually had somebody who mentioned to me like, "Hey." make sure to remind people, especially when we're talking to three different teachers about three different messages, you might want to go and listen to them. So if you want to push pause on this, we won't be offended. Just make sure to come back because we're going to have a great conversation. I say that we haven't even had it yet. I just know it will be. Um, And I'm actually really interested in kind of excited because both Hezekiah and Justin, this is your first time joining us. And so it's, it's kind of nice to get some additional new voices in here. Uh, last time that Hezekiah preached, we weren't able to have him on the podcast. So I'm really excited that we were able to have you. And Justin, this is your first, first time since we've started doing this. Yes. So this is, this yeah. is great. So now before we dive into the messages, it was kind of brought to my attention that there's this really interesting kind of dynamic around here at Riv, because since we last recorded a a podcast, we have entered into what we traditionally call Lent. And Lent starts on Ash Wednesday. And is it actually 40 days before Easter? Is that how it works? 40. So we're now into that. Ash Wednesday would have been last week when the last episode of this podcast came out. And around Riv, we don't really make a very big deal about Lent at all. And so I kind of wanted to just talk about that because I think it's something that people, if you have friends that go to a different church or if you came from a different church, that may be a big deal. Maybe you come from a church where people give something up for Lent. And since I had you know, a couple pastors and a pastoral resident. I thought, let's just talk about that. Tony, you kind of had this idea that like, maybe this is a thing people are curious about. So let's kind of start with you. Yeah. I remember talking with you about this last week, Jason, about just kind of, that was in the traditional church calendar that some denominations follow. Like this is where we are. And I was trying to think about a way to include it in my message, but it didn't necessarily really fit, you know? So I've just been thinking about it and people that, that I know, and, you know, really nowhere in the Bible are we commanded to observe Lent. Um, but, On the flip side of that, we're not forbidden (laughs) from doing it either. So for that reason, Lent is something that, you know, Christians may choose to observe uh, while others may choose not to. It's really like a Christian liberty uh, situation. And I think Romans 14 is really helpful when Paul's talking about like to some uh, one person judges one day to be more important than another and and vice versa. So with that in mind, you know, I think some Christians have this conviction that um, they want to engage with Lent. They actually want to fast from something or, or, or like kind of practice that self-discipline. Like that's a good spiritual discipline to practice and, and do it during Lent. But then other Christians feel like, you know, it's not really something I 
want to do in this season. So I think it's, it's helpful to talk about. Um, but wherever a Christian falls on that, I would just encourage them in this season to actually have this posture of engagement. You know, I think it's a really unique season because we maybe have a coworker that showed up last Wednesday with ashes on their forehead. Right. Or we, or we had a conversation over the back fence with a neighbor who's like, I'm giving this up for Lent. And, And it's just, it's an opportunity for us to be curious and ask questions and, and say, Oh, like, I didn't, I didn't know that you were, um, following like the Lent season or anything mm-hmm. like that, you know, just have, have a good conversation. So I, I just encourage people to, to really engage and lean in because it's just a cool opportunity to, to get to know about people in your midst. Yeah. So what about you guys, Justin, Hezekiah, what are your thoughts? Like the general idea and correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's nowhere in the Bible where it says for 40 days before Easter, you have to give up your cell phone or chocolate or meat, right? Like we're clear on that. I just want to make sure. I've went cover to cover and I, I might've missed it, but I, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think so. <laughs> I appreciate you doing that for us. <laughs> I only told him we were going to talk about this like 20 minutes ago. So that's good. I'm glad you, ch- you didn't mean right now. Okay. No, no. Um, no, I mean, yeah, my, my take would be, I mean, building off of what Tony was saying, this is one way we can appreciate the capital C church that there are other traditions and some of these Lenten practices are things we should be doing. We should have self-control. We should we should anticipate the coming of uh, of Easter and thinking about Jesus and pre- kind of preparing our hearts. That's very important. But at Riv, we're we're kind of a low church. We don't follow these liturgies. Uh, I can appreciate that that for thousands of years, this is what Christians have been doing. Not all Christians, but I mean, Council of Nicaea, this this comes together, and this is an important practice. And I, I even had this past week, I learned, because I also um, adjunct and I, and I teach, that several of my students were, in fact, Christians. I wouldn't have known that. And they all were lamenting, oh, I'm giving up chocolate, I'm giving up this or that. And that was really cool. And then I jokingly said, well, I'm giving up Lent for Lent. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so that's the irreverent low church um, remark. But no, I do think it's it's important that we take our faith seriously. And this is a totally valid way uh, of doing that. And so, yeah, uh, the, the, the number 40 is important in the Bible. Jesus was... Uh, in the wilderness for 40 days, the the uh, the people were wandering for 40 years, and so um, I think, especially for American comfortable Christians, anytime we can renegotiate comforts and try to redirect towards God, that's very good. It's just, do we elevate this to the level of like, "Thus saith the Lord," versus mm-hmm. this is a helpful tradition? That's kind of. My two cents. Now you used a phrase and I just wanted to give you a chance to explain for anyone yes. who might not have known what you meant when you talked about low church. Yes. What does that mean in contrast to, I assume, high church? High church. Yeah. So tell us about the difference just for someone who might have heard yeah. you say that and doesn't know what you mean. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, so you think about what is the Christian church in a broad sense. Um, there are different genres and flavors. And you've, you know, you've got Catholicism and then you've got Protestantism. Some would say that uh, Pentecostalism is distinct, that there's, there's different types and stripes of Christians. And then in some of the mainline denominations, you know, Presbyterians or Lutherans, for instance, those folks might follow uh, a uniform calendar where there's going to be readings and maybe there will be an Advent season where we know that we're uh, w- you know, waiting for the first coming together like this. Um, or not waiting for the first coming, but you know what I'm saying? Reflecting upon, looking back to, because Jesus did come. I don't want to <laughs> let that heresy right, slide out. That right, was a right. misspeak. Um, but then lower churches 
would be churches that we may not put as much stock in some of these older traditions, though we do have traditions of our own. So you'll see a lot of evangelical or Protestant, non-denominational churches. We're kind of always doing our own thing. We're doing a study this on the book of Bible, or we'll be talking about uh, relationships or what have you, whereas Catholics are probably tracking along uh, around the world sometimes with similar practices. And so I don't know if any of you want to talk about that, but how, like how much architecture is in the, the planning, the scope and sequence of what's being taught and just kind of the life of the community. Whereas I think folks in our camp would be a little more spontaneous. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's a, a scale, an ascending scale of liturgy, right? In terms of like the, the church calendar and sort of how much is involved in that. And then, yeah. And then you can even break down the individual service. Yeah. Some services, there's an order of operations. Yep. You take communion here. This is who takes it. Mm -hmm. This is how you take it. This is what the mode will not change. But for Riverview, we're like, Hey, second week of the month sounds good. How do you want to do it? And we're like, well, how does the space work? Um, or maybe, you know, when I had a, a sermon series, uh, a topic that was potentially contentious, I wanted us to take communion at that service uniquely so it can look at a granular level uh, and, and, a, and a big level, uh, a little more formal and planned or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Hezekiah, how about, how about you? Yeah. So, uh, well, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. <laughs> this is why I was <laughs> looking so, forward to hearing what you yeah, had to say. Yeah. So not really too like familiar with Lent, to be honest, because that just wasn't a thing, you know, and, uh, just like what Justin was talking about, there's a lot of that, like liturgy that, you know, the order of service things, Pentecostal churches kind of just don't have order of service <laughs> <laughs> or at least it's very minimal. So yeah, yeah. But I think as far as the idea um, because even still in Pentecostal churches, they kind of do their own thing. They do like 40 day fasts, you know, which is pretty much the same kind of thing. Um, I think it's important um, to intentionally make time for Jesus, <laughs> you know, like that's never a bad thing. But I think if, you know, um, being too hard on yourself or like, you know, uh, making it a priority or putting it above, um, yeah, above your faith in Jesus or like, you know, like where that becomes the main thing, that's when it becomes an issue. So I don't think in, in, in and of itself, it's not a bad thing. It's just whether or not like how much priority you give it to, you know, how much priority you give to it. So mm -hmm. and around Riv, we sort of talk about things in terms of buckets. If there's, you know, Noel has talked about it. We talked about it during the about that series. Like those are all essentially with the with one or two exceptions bucket two issues. It's kind of like we, we all agree on these things, but we don't agree that we don't believe that they are salvation issues. That would be bucket one issues. And before we started recording, all of you were trying to figure out which bucket it goes in, but the <laughs> agreement was it wasn't a bucket one issue, right? Right. Totally. And it's, 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 it's a matter of sort of personal liberty, as Tony said. And it's like, if this is a helpful practice for you in your spiritual walk, then go for it. And if it's not, that's okay too. But also as you look around, there's not really any room for judgment of someone else who either believes that they should be giving up their cell phone or their chocolate mm -hmm. or whatever. So. And I think has really hit it when talking about just kind of like really diagnosing why, yeah. you know, you're, you're doing this. I think if, if, if you're really feeling like this is a meritorious thing, like you're going to earn like God's graces by doing it. I mean, like we see that like, well, God has done that. Like he, yep. it's, you know, you are, you are a child of God because of what Jesus has done. But if it is going to be a helpful discipline to help you really focus on the death and resurrection of Jesus and like cast your focus on him, like, I mean, those are great things. And 
things we shouldn't only do during the Lent season, right? I mean, right. like things we well, should I can do. Why find them? Yeah, exactly. They're that good, yeah. Exactly. So I think really kind of doing that that work in your heart and mind of why um, is really important when thinking about this topic too. Yeah, that's great. So sort of transitioning to the messages from this past weekend and the passage of scripture, we were in Second Corinthians chapter three verses one through six. So if you're listening and you want to follow along, if you have one of those cruciform journals, you could just flip to week eight. I think it might've been week nine. I don't remember. Seven but it's eight. page 28. I remember. Thank you. Tony. <laughs> Tony is actually very helpful yes. at doing that. In I know messages. I do it every, I've been doing it in we my sermons. That. See from, so my background where like they would tell you the page number of the hymnal or the page number mm -hmm. of the Bible. And I really actually appreciate that. That's really great. Yeah. So page 28 in the book you ha it has that scripture. Um, and there were two things that jumped out for me listening to all three of your messages. Uh, and actually I have copy. I read them first for doesn't matter why, but, um, one of the things that jumped out to me that I want to start with is Paul uses multiple times in this passage and the passages before, and maybe even after this concept of being competent or adequate. Mm -hmm. And I think that like in the world that we live in today, there is a universal struggle for trying like I'm a parent. I have four children and I am constantly trying to figure out, am I adequate for this job? It doesn't matter. Right. I have like, it was, I didn't apply for the job. I, you just have to kind of figure it out, but I'm really interested, especially like having a conversation with three people who are in vocational ministry. Like this seems to be a thing that Paul is very, if not concerned about, but he, he, he uses it more than once. He does not just gloss over this idea. Right. In in fact, I think it was last week where the, where the phrase was like, who is adequate like for this. Right. And so I would love to sort of start there and maybe we can kind of go around and just unpack a little bit about like where, where do like, why does Paul hit on this idea of being competent or adequate multiple times, even in such a short passage of scripture? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, looking into the context of the book and just kind of this 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 interesting relationship Paul has with the Corinthians where like he was the church planter. I mean, like he was in God's grace, like the person God used to really like help many Corinthians come to faith and how they were beginning to kind of disbelieve maybe in who he was or in his work and kind of discredit him. So I, I think some of it is a little bit of him talking about like, this is who I am as an apostle. You know, this is why I'm qualified. But I think there is also too, there this reminder of look in, in and of ourselves and in our own efforts, like those are often futile like efforts because they're not empowered by the spirit or not done in the right reason. So I think there is kind of a dual meaning there of kind of reflecting on how if you are in Christ, you are competent because the spirit is in you and is able to work in you. Um, but I think Paul's kind of doing both. I mean, he's kind of taught because I think even in this passage too, he does. I, I went into this in my message about how um, the, the Corinthians are um, known and read by everyone as this living letter idea. Uh, but then he's also talking about himself as a competent minister. And so I think I think he's kind of talking about both things there. And I think another piece of context that's important for the New Testament and just even our confidence as Christians um, is we should have qualified leaders and how we live actually matters as well. And so I think, especially when you see or you hear about scandals and you, you disappointments in leadership, you know, if, if, if I'm being led by someone who's corrupt, like I need to take heed, I need to take notice. And I think what's connected with this is 
Paul's opponents, Paul's critics, and they were trying to undermine the man, I think in part to undermine the message. And this is really about grace and sufficiency and God's grace. And that's, that's the radical gospel message that if, you know, whether or not people were Judaizers or they were coming at the, the faith where they're trying to add something to it, where you can put stock in what people do, sometimes things that can be seen, that muddies those waters quite a bit. So I, I do think that we need to kind of sit up and listen and think like, ooh, do we have qualified people leading us? Because at the same time, Paul was qualified. And then when he talks about leadership, <laughs> there are lists of qualification that need to take place as well. So there's, there's a lot of complicated pieces, I think, that factor into what they experience and what we experience, um, but that's the, it's the vicarious sufficiency. It's, it's from Christ, it's for Christ, it's through Christ. And at the same time, we also need to grow. <laughs> so like I am sufficient, but then I'm, I have to fan into flames my gift. I have to humble my heart. Like we're still commanded to do a lot of stuff. And so while Christianity doesn't you know, want us to earn anything, Christianity actually does involve a lot of, of effort and growth and sanctification. So there's, there's just a lot, you know, and Hezekiah, I, I think about this in your context as a pastoral resident, which, uh, is sort of a training. Well, I mean, not sort of, it's a training like experience for pastoral ministry. And, and Paul didn't go through a training experience to like plant churches. He didn't have, they, that wasn't a structure that existed really at that time. He was, you know, knocked off of his donkey and like, you know, called to ministry as an apostle. And I imagine that there are, you know, like the challenges he was facing were from people who were questioning his apostolic, you know, ministry, but he didn't have the benefit of like getting the certificate or going through the class or going through the thing. And I was, I was thinking about like as a pastoral resident and giving this message, you chose the title adequate, right? And I was just curious, like how you think about the way that God makes us competent and adequate to serve him, whether we have gone through those processes or not. Cause I think it applies not just to the pastoral resident or to the two pastors that we have sitting here, but like to all of us. Right. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I think being a pastoral resident and like learning, there's a lot to learn. Um, I think Paul here in in uh, in this chapter is really getting at one defending his self as a as a leader and then also as a you know just another member among them as well like he's he's he doesn't lift himself above them saying like you know I'm this big guy like a lot of other people are going into you know around them doing the, doing that you know and so he's um, he's really approaching it like this is a, a true leader. He, he's really saying like, I'm a true leader because I'm coming in this humbly, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, th- because it's not me at all. Like it's, it's all Christ. Like you are Christ's letter. You know, I'm just like the, the deliverer. I'm just the messenger. And I think that's a good reminder for me, you know, as I take on more responsibility, like one, like Tony was getting at, there's like two sides. It's like you could be prideful in it. Like you could come in like with all these letters of recommendation, like I've done this, I've done this and that can mess you up. Or you could go in it too lowly. Like I'm not, you know, these people don't respect me. Like I, you know, I have a lot to learn and all of that is solved with like, you know, my adequacy comes from God. You know, it, 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 it targets the pride and it also targets the, I'm not, I don't feel worthy enough, you know? Yeah. And I do think 
not to go too far off track, but I, I honestly follow me for a second. I think this gets us there that in the sort of the world that we live in today in 2024, there is certainly a, a resistance to not just authority, like with a capital a, but like the authority from someone who might challenge the way we think about something or challenge the way we believe about something. And we've sort of seen this over the last couple of years that at the same time that that's true, the other thing that's true is suddenly everyone's an expert on everything, right? And is happy to tell you what they think about just about everything. And so that can be difficult for people to sort of sort through. It feels like, and this is where I want to just kind of hear from you guys, what Paul is saying, and, and really it, it feels like this is, I mean, I'll just read it in verse five. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything is coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. And I think that if you if you put yourself in the position of somebody who attends RIV, right? Who is not in full-time ministry, who is not in vocational ministry, they're still in ministry, right? There's, <laughs> if you are a believer, you are in ministry. So I'd love to hear what each of you would say to somebody in that, like what their role is and how they can have, like uh, Justin, your message title was confident, competent ministers. How do you give that confidence to people who attend RIV and yet they still have a job to do? Like they have a mission if you believe in Jesus, you are called to serve. And it is not that you have to be, you know, competent in and of yourself. You might think I don't have the public speaking skills of, you know, Justin or Tony or Hezekiah. How do you help? Like, where does that confidence and that competence come from as, as someone who is not serving in ministry that way? Tony, you look like you have your finger on something. So. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't, don't want to lose it. No, no, no. It's like, well, it's again, it's, I mean, we're, we're living under the, the sovereignty of God and that, so it's not this, the coincidence that, that God saved us or put us where we are. You know, I, I take, so I actually went into Acts 18 in my message to kind of give a little commentary on how Paul got to Corinth. You know, I think that's helpful for us to know. But also right before that, he was giving this address um, in Athens. And he, he said this um, in Acts 17, 26. The reason I'm reading this is because I think it answers your question. Yeah, great. Um, it says, from one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him as though he is not far from each one of us. For in him, we, we live and move and have our being. And he goes to quote this, these um, people that were familiar to um, those in Athens. But I think what he's getting at is like, look, every one of us are in the place God put us. And he did that so that we would be a blessing and share the good news with other people around us. And so that people would, like it says in there, um, seek God, perhaps they might reach out and find him, you know? And so I think, like you said, every one of us has a ministry. And for some of you, it may be your children. Mm -hmm. You know, it, some of you, it may be your neighbors, those on your team at work, like those parents on your soccer team, like your kids. So again, like we all have a ministry. And I think when we remember like sovereignty of God, we're not where we are by accident, but also that God empowers us in the spirit to actually just be faithful and open doors for us to live as lights of the world. Um, I think that's lights in the world. I think that's really a good thing. Yeah. And it feels like. Uh, Justin Hezekiah, not to quote what Tony's saying or change it, but it's almost like this is, so you don't have an excuse because you don't have mm -hmm. to be adequate of yourself, but also that's just a blessing, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be adequate in and of yourself. And yet you are called to do ministry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like what Tony was saying, you know, and I think that I talked about it in my message, um, like the word ministers, you know, that's in modern day society. That's like 
something that minister like we're licensed all ministers clergy. right like yeah. Right, yeah. right that's it. in our mind we thinking like licensed clergy you know these bishops or whatever um but in in, in reality it's just a middleman and we're all middlemen you know like yeah. where the spirit's working through us and we're able to minister this new covenant the gospel to others because we're just the middleman <laughs> you know yeah. like it's not again being the middleman is it has nothing to do with our own competence or anything it's it's all you know, God working through us. One of the things I I tapped on and I didn't lean into much was First uh, Corinthians twelve. You know, Paul explains about concerning spiritual gifts. We don't want you to be unaware. So I think a lot of us we are unaware, and we have these assumptions that because I don't do X, I'm nothing, or because I have Y, I'm something. But Paul is very clear. Um, where he says, now there are different gifts, but the same spirit, different ministries, but the same Lord. And then he says, basically, a manifestation of this spirit is given to each person for the common good. Mm. And so I think sometimes we get lost in comparison or we get lost in inadequacy that is rooted in, I think, maybe a practically just worldly thinking, our own self-esteem woes. And I think that's where we need to be trained up, discipled in our thinking and really have a worldview that doesn't say there's the holy stuff and the sacred stuff. And then there's the common work. And I think that's where we, we need to scrap that. I think, I don't know if it's Luther or one of the big shooters in church probably history, Luther. probably Luther. I'll just quote Luther probably said something. confidently, <laughs> you know, where he said, whether you're delivering a sermon or shoveling manure, do everything to the glory of God, do it for his glory. And the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. We are a body. And so we, we don't need all feet. We don't need all hands. We need the whole piece. And so understanding like uh, we, we are greater than the sum of our parts. And so I think for a lot of folks, we need to be able to talk back to those thoughts that we have when we make unhealthy comparisons um, that, that they just, they serve no one. Uh, so I think that's an important thing. Just, just to, I mean, we're unaware. Paul, Paul says we don't want you unaware. Right. So get in the know. Well, and and I think it might. It feels to me that it's encouraging that the thing that we struggle with is not new. Right. It's very similar to what was happening <laughs> yeah, yep. in the in the and so it's like this was not a, this doesn't catch God off guard. Right. He's not surprised by it. He he understands and he's sort of given us this these. this tool to be able to see that like our circumstances feel unique to us, but in the big picture, they are not unforeseen. Right. And so yet we can, we can depend on the word of God to guide us, even though we feel very far removed from the, sometimes the scriptures, because like, I don't, I've never been to Corinth. I don't, I didn't, Paul and I have never met. He didn't plant my church. Right. So like, and yet the words that he's having to say are very applicable to us. And the, the piece that sticks out to me the most for that. And this was the other thing that really I wanted to touch on is he is the talk when he talks about the living letters, which I think Tony was the, the title of your message. And, you know, he, he says, are we, and I actually loved the, the story that you talked about with the AI generated, uh, the chat GPT generated <laughs> recommendation letter that apparently did, a, was, it was good. It worked. The guy got the fellowship or the, the scholarship. And so that's great. Um, I would just say that anybody who uses chat GPT for anything, you better just check it because it will make things up. Right. Mm, I remember totally. when chat GPT first came out, the thing everyone did is like, tell it to write a bio of themselves. And I learned that I was born in West Virginia and that <laughs> I studied abroad for three years and that, yeah, and I was, and I'm a movie producer and it sounded wonderful. None of it was true. Right. Yeah, it was very yeah. convincing though. So I would just, I would, I would caution that, but 
um, this idea of Paul is asking, like, do we need letters of recommendation? Like, we know each other. I go back to the Tony's. You have to listen to Tony's message to understand this. But he talked about, like, if you if you started a business and you came back a couple of years later to check on it, and they're like, who we, who are you? Like, we don't even know who you are. And Paul's response is, you are. This is verse two. You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. And the two things in that that stick out is the first one is. He's kind of talking about fruit. Like it's obvious. It will be seen by everyone that you are our letter. But just this idea that as a Christian, that there are people who will be downstream from your, I guess, in fo- college football, they talk about coaching trees, right? Like, <laughs> yep, yep. And the same thing's true. Like we have a faith tree, like, like of people who will be downstream from your faithfulness and your ministry and your witness who will become a Christian as a result or who will, you know, or the people that they will influence. And so I feel like that's where this gets practical for people who are listening to this. Mm. And so I would just kind of like love to hear how, you know, you, you, some of you talked about this in your message, so feel free to just repeat that, but like how we should be thinking about the living letters that kind of we are writing in our faith story. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of what these six verses have to do with is credibility. You know, credibility does matter. What influences, what convinces people and honestly, sometimes we see credentials in leadership or we see titles, but we don't see the character that goes with them. And we get really uh, skeptical. But when you see life transformation, that's the miracle of the Holy Spirit working despite the flesh. So that is kind of the evidence that is undeniable. You know, someone, oh, they, they must have had a religious encounter or whenever you see transformation, that makes people lean in and, and notice. And so we, we want to be credible because we're ministers, we're right. serving, we're serving Christ. And I think this is part of the reason why Paul is, he's not being defensive, but he is defending some of these things is because he wants to be credible and wants to be taken seriously. And so our character, the way that we love each other, I mean, that's what Jesus said, the way that the world will know that you're my disciples is not because of the shape of your building or are you talented or do you have credentials? Are you popular? He says that you love one another. And so this is the aroma in chapter two. I mean, you, you put off the smell, you put off the vibe. So I think circling around this whole conversation is what is credible. And Paul is saying, uh, a church is planted in Corinth, which you know I kind of pointed out, which would make Vegas look very wholesome. Uh, and then these people are changing and they're becoming mature and holy and clean. That's radical. Mm-hmm. That's very radical. It's countercultural. They're loving people. That's going to turn heads much more than like, hey, I got this sealed letter from some authority. Yeah, Tony, you were about to jump in too. No, I think when you were talking, Jason, it reminded me of just something that Paul talked to the Corinthians about before, about like, who then is Paul? Who then is Apollos? It's this idea, right? That is like, look, we are servants of God. Like, who are we? Um, it's not that we are like unimportant, but it's, it's like, nope, God is going to like work through his people, you know? And I think like you said, like the kind of downstream impact of the Christian witness, like there's going to be people that come to the Lord because maybe we planted tons of seeds and we actually don't get to reap that harvest. And God is faithful mm-hmm. in that. And, you know, and maybe in God's grace, that person might send you an email yeah. <laughs> or might say, Hey, you have no idea how much it meant to me that you said hi to me at my high school, like at lunch when you were a 
leader mm-hmm. or, you know, we, yeah. we just may not know. Um, but that's like, that's the awesome part. I think about that passage in first Corinthians three, because it gets into, um, only God gives the growth. That's first, uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse like five through nine, you know, but again, it just, it, it's helpful framing of it's very freeing. It's, it's, it's a, it's an obedience that we get to like live into without that, that pressure of like us feeling like we need to do God's job because God has a job he does in changing hearts and he uses broken people like us yep. to plant those seeds. And actually, like, like Justin said, like for the Corinthians to be Christians, that's a powerful living letter because of the type of people they were um, because before the gospel made it to Corinth. And even though, even if they are, their lives weren't totally wayward, even if your life was a like straight, straight arrow kind of thing, it's still really a miracle of God that you are a Christian now. So yeah. In this time, in this place, totally. in this world and the people that you have around you. So yeah. Hezekiah thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I just love the, also the, the contrast because, um, and this is what I would have hit on. There's so much I would have talked about, but because first he says like you yourselves are a letter. And then in the next verse, he says, you show that you are Christ's letter. And a lot of people are like, is that a contradiction? Like, is, are we Christ's letter? Or are we, is it, are you our letter? And I think it's both. Like it's, you know, when you're grafted in with Jesus, like your life, um, the fruit of that, you know, pours over onto others, but ultimately it's their Christ's letter, you know, and Paul understood that. That's why later on he talks more about that. Like it's not my own competence. Like everything I'm able to do is because of Jesus and that's it, you know? Um, and I think it's just a beautiful picture of like, we're just vessels, we're being used and it, it, it keeps us humbled, but also keeps us encouraged too, that it's not all on us. You know? Yeah. And it kind of goes back to the same thing you were saying where it, you are our letter, but what that really means is you are Christ's letter through using us to reach yeah. you, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah. he's not using that as a, yeah. it's almost like he's turning this thing around where he's trying to make the case for, do I need a letter of recommendation? Fine. You are my letter of recommendation, but actually I don't yeah, need a letter right. of recommendation because you are Christ's letter. Right. So, so you, that you mentioned that that was one of the things you didn't really get a chance to get into. Was there anything else that you're like, I really wish I could have covered this in this message? Yeah. I mean, definitely the last part for the letter kills with the spirit gives life. I didn't even touch on that. I mean, I feel like that's what's next week too. That's okay. kind of what he goes into, but yeah, I guess more of that, like you yourselves are a letter and then uh, you are Christ's letter too. You know, when I was in doing campus life, which is a youth ministry, um, the logo was like the three circles almost yep. looks like the Olympic rings, but three circles. And it's kind of that vision. This is kind of what it's talking about. It's like, God's story, our story, and their story, you know, um, when we're connected to God's story, uh, we're also able, when, when we connect with different people and in relationship with different people in the world, um, eventually they get connected to our story, which means that they ultimately get connected to God's story. And that's kind of this vision of like, yeah, God just uses us. And when we're a part of Jesus, you know, like, like he says, I am the vine, you are the branches, you know, uh, we're just able to be a part of that you yeah. know yeah uh tony anything that uh, didn't quite make it into the message that uh that stuck out to you yeah a little bit similar to has i mean there's just language he paul begins to use here to contrast the old and new covenant mm-hmm. you know he talks about uh, not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts and, and even the the letter kills but the spirit gives life and has his right the next 11 verses are like the the idea that 
if this old covenant that was once glorious is like a good thing, like how much more glorious mm-hmm. is the new covenant? And it's going to be really fun to go into that passage, but it's kind of like verse six is kind of a transitional verse. So yeah. it, it kind of transitions into this new idea, but because we, we kind of covered it in ours, it's kind of hard to like reveal, oh, this is like, all we're going to be talking about next week. So yeah, you don't really want to it. give next week's message already. Yeah. Um, it's just a little teaser. Because, verse six feels it's like, like a that. cliffhanger. It right? kind of is, <laughs> These are but good. it's going to like the next verses are awesome. Yeah. So. Justin. Well, I was going to touch on both of those other things, but another thought that I had that I didn't really lean into is just if you, if you zoom out and you look at second Corinthians and Paul's life as a whole, that this is not the most optimistic book per se, per se. He, he talks about suffering a lot. There's a there's a you know a lot of cloudy days mm-hmm. as you look through this and I, I look at this passage as a ray of sunshine in the midst of the, of the book and, you know because he's going to go on in chapter four he's going to talk about how um, he's being outwardly destroyed he's being destroyed in a lot of ways his body's being destroyed his reputation's being destroyed um, he has self doubts there I mean, he's a human being but yet at the same time God renews us. And so I love seeing Paul stand with his spine straight and just saying, no, I'm competent. You know, it's almost like with a parent, I'm not a perfect parent, but I have to have confidence to say, darn it, I'm your father. Mm-hmm. Take your vitamins. I'm your father. Apologize. You have to seize some of that. And so one of the things I didn't really talk about, but it was just in ministry, and this could be maybe just as true for Christians that are trying to be faithful, whether or not they get a paycheck in the church or not is discouragement and hardship is a fact of our existence. And so for me, I was quietly affirmed thinking about some of the hardships that I might face. And I know that in the pulpit publicly, I'm not supposed to work out all of my issues, (laughs) but I did feel like in my own prep time, I felt affirmed by Jesus. I felt affirmed by this because Paul's going to say, no, no, no. Some of this hardship is evidence that I'm doing the thing. If you're a truth teller, you're going to get people that are going to push back. Yeah. And so for me, it was like, I, I see my gaps. I see my weaknesses. At the same time, I, I want my people to like, take me at my word. I prepped super, super long for some sermon. I give it, I deliver it. And some people aren't going to be teachable and they're going to vilify you and they're going to twist your words. You're going to do those things. But I don't have to take that personally mm-hmm. because I'm not my own aroma. I'm the aroma of Christ. And so for me, I had that real quiet affirmation. And so for me, I felt like this is one of those messages, like I wanted people to leave with a little bit of a humble swagger to say like, oh, people call you a hypocrite. So, you know, mm-hmm. you, you made a mistake. Okay. You're flawed. Well, we know a guy who takes care of all that. We, and again, Paul is going to say in another place in Corinthians, we don't preach ourselves. And so for me, I want to lift pressure off of people. I don't want following Jesus to be a burden. It's supposed to be joy. And that's what a spirit does. That's what new covenant ministry does. The spirit is doing things that my dead flesh can't do. And I just get to enjoy the ride. And so for me, this was a great, uh, just reminder of this is what comes with the territory. And, um, I want to say I'm competent, but I want to have a truly unshakable confidence that isn't thinly veiled arrogance. That's going to set me up to fall. Yeah. Because we do the thing that, you know, has talked about <laughs> is we, we get way too arrogant and God opposes the proud. But then being Eeyore, blocking your own shot, you're not going to change the world like that. You're not going to change yourself. And you're actually doubting the power of God and the claims that he makes. And so we need to like 
take God at his word. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. And I heard, well, recently I was having a conversation with someone and we were talking about how you can sometimes talk yourself into confidence in a good way, meaning ask yourself, what would someone who knew what to do in this situation do? Because sometimes you know what to do. You're just not confident enough to do it. But if you can just like, I'm just going to act as if, right? It's it's kind of like a slightly more sophisticated version of fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. The difference is like, you're not faking anything. You're just doing the thing you know the person who knew what, to, oh, you actually did know what to do. You just weren't confident enough to do it. And Paul's kind of saying like, you know, it's okay. We are not confident in and of ourselves. So just act as if. <laughs> so that's great. I really appreciate all three of you this mo- this uh, afternoon, morning. It doesn't matter. Time means nothing on podcasts. But morning, it's morning o'clock somewhere. It's morning when people are listening to this, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully you're having a good Good evening, couple, Jason. There you coffee. go. Yeah. <laughs> thank you all. I said, go- I said good day, sir. Good day. <laughs> I good said day. good day. And thank you to all of you who are listening. I definitely encourage you to go. If you haven't had a chance yet, if you didn't do it, I asked earlier to pause this and listen to the other messages. Find some time this week to do that. They were all fantastic and they will set you up well for the following weeks. And we will look forward to talking to you next week.